This podcast is about heroes in military and law enforcement. Some gave their service for America and served in the armed forces. Some have paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom, and others protected the local community and died in the line of duty. Our lives would be a whole lot different if it weren't for the hard work and sacrifice of these brave men and women. They could have gone on to live lives that were less dangerous. However, they dedicated themselves to your protection. If you ever have the pleasure of talking to one of them, they'll tell you, I'm not a hero, but I have the honor of walking beside a few. Others will say, the real heroes are those who didn't make it back home. This episode is dedicated to Staff Sergeant and Private Joseph Burrell, 506th Parachute Infantry Regiment, 101st Airborne Division in the U.S. Army, and 1st Battalion, 1st Guards Tank Brigade in the Soviet Red Army. Joseph Burrell was the only American during World War II who fought Nazis on two separate Allied fronts. He escaped numerous POW camps, and is a character they make movies about. Joseph was born on August 25, 1923, in Muskegon, Michigan, the third in line of seven kids born to parents William and Elizabeth Burrell. His grandparents had immigrated from Germany in the 1800s. Joe was six at the beginning of the Great Depression. His father soon lost his factory job, and the family was forced to leave their home and relocate to live with Joe's grandmother. Joe had some early memories that most people never have to experience. He remembered waiting in food lines with his father. Two of his older brothers had to quit high school to join government conservation programs where they sent money back home just so the family could stay together. Tragedy struck when one of Joe's older sisters died of scarlet fever. She was only 16. Joe was a senior in high school when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. He already had a full-ride baseball scholarship to Notre Dame University. However, he gave all of this up and enlisted in the U.S. Army in 1942. Not only did he enlist, he joined the most hardened group of ruffians the military had to offer, the parachute infantry. After basic airborne infantry training at Fort Tekoa, Georgia, he was assigned to the 506 Parachute Infantry Regiment of the 101st Airborne Division, also known as the Screaming Eagles. While in the regiment, Burl further specialized in communications and demolition. The 506th shipped off across the Atlantic to Ramsbury, England, and prepared themselves for the massive incoming Allied invasion of Normandy, France. Parachuting was brand new to the military, so the soldiers were at the cutting edge of a new experience. This meant that they had to undergo a barbarous, amped-up exercise process filled with PT and the sweltering British heat, long, begrudging marches in the blackness of early morning, and excruciating full-kit marches up mountains. Burl's paratroopers endured nine months of this training. Six months before Operation Overlord and D-Day, the OSS and the French Resistance were responsible for the sabotaging of many factories, bridges, and trains, which brought German industry to a halt. It was still just two months before D-Day, and Burl was itching to fight the Nazis. So, he volunteered with the OSS, the predecessor to the CIA. They sent him on a mission in occupied France during April and May of 1944. Burl and several other daredevils 
would jump out of airplanes with backpacks filled with gold and other provisions. While on the ground, they met up with French resistance fighters and hung around with them for a few days before they could hitch a boat ride back across the English Channel. This was the type of mission that, if he was found out by the Germans or their sympathizers, he would have been systematically executed. He had so much fun during the first mission that he volunteered for a second one. Beryl completed both missions flawlessly. The night before Operation Overlord on D-Day, on June 5, 1944, Burl and the 101st Airborne found themselves on a transport C-47 that was under intense enemy flak over the Normandy coast. The paratroopers were on a mission to soften the enemy response to the D-Day invasion that following morning. They were supposed to cut power lines, destroy bridges, and wreak havoc on the enemy. Because of the dire situation, the paratroopers were forced to execute an immediate low-altitude jump from only 360 feet. This was very dangerous. The normal jumping altitude for paratroopers during World War II was 700 feet. Beryl jumped out and soon landed on the roof at a church in saint Colm du mont Not only was this bad news, but there was also a Nazi sniper hiding in the church steeple taking pot shots at Burl's parachute while he was looking for a safe place to land. With bullets flying in all directions and ricocheting off the roof near him, Burl safely made it to the ground, slapped a mag into his M1 carbine, put his head up, and stuck to the mission. Here he was, totally out of contact with his fellow paratroopers in the pitch dark. Despite the initial bad start, Sergeant Burl single-handedly killed a few Nazis, found a local power substation, took it out with some thermite, assaulted a German infantry force by hurling grenades at them, and then headed off to sabotage a bridge to hinder the Nazis from sending reinforcements to Utah Beach. As soon as he turned around, he found himself staring down the barrels of 10 Schmeiser MP40 German submachine guns. He had already been through enough, so he put up his hands and surrendered. During the following months, Burl was held in seven different German POW camps. Here is a quote from Burl while he was held at one of the camps. I was interrogated 20 to 24 hours a day. They were trying to get all the usual questions answered. Why me, a German, was I fighting for the Jews, Roosevelt, and Morgenthau against my own people? Sometime during the questioning, I called the German officer an SOB and woke up several days later in a hospital with a big headache and a bashed head, and later I was taken back to the monastery. Burl and his fellow POWs, or Kriegis, had heard news that the Soviet Red Army was nearby and hoped to meet up with them. They escaped twice, but were captured each time. During a third escape attempt, Burl and his comrades set their sights east for Poland, but accidentally got on a train bound for Berlin. One of the little-known facts was that there were a lot of German citizens who hated Hitler and his Reich. They formed underground resistance groups, one of them being called the White Rose. Many similar resistance groups were located all over Europe. They helped Allied POWs escape the Reich, among other sabotage missions. Sophie Scholl and her brother Hans, along with fellow collaborator Christopher Probst, led a resistance against the Nazis in Berlin. One of their pamphlets read, We will not be silent. We are your bad conscience. 
the White Rose will not leave you in peace. While evading the Nazis in Berlin, Joseph Burl and his fellow Krikes found a group of similar resistance fighters and spent about a week hiding from the German authorities. Eventually, they were found out and turned into the Gestapo by a German civilian. Being a repeat escapee, Burl and the POWs were severely beaten and tortured. Here is another quote from Jumpin' Joe himself. In the next seven to ten days, we found out everything we had heard about the Gestapo was true. We were interrogated, tortured, kicked, knocked around, walked on, hung up by our arms backwards, hit with whips, clubs, and rifle butts. When you thought they were going to do no more, they would think of other ways to torture you. When you would slip into semi-consciousness, they would start again. The Gestapo accused the American POWs of being spies who had parachuted into Berlin. Beryl and his fellow Kragis then faced a firing unit until, at the last moment, a miracle happened. It was decided that the Gestapo did not have authority over POWs. Soon afterwards, Sergeant Beryl and his comrades were returned back to the German military. Beryl was relocated to Stalag 3C POW camp in Berlin, where he escaped again in early January 1945. The POWs he escaped with were gunned down all around him as he hightailed it for the barbed wire fence. Once he was across and amazed he had no holes in him, he heard the crisp bark of a German shepherd tracking dog. He was on the banks of a freezing cold river in Poland in the middle of January. After a few seconds of thinking, he dove head first into the frigid waters. After swimming for a while, he was sure the dog had lost his trail. He headed east, hoping to meet up with the invading Soviet Red Army. He eventually ran into a Soviet tank brigade, raised his hands, clenching a pack of Lucky Strike cigarettes, and shouted in Russian, Amerikansky Tovarisk, meaning American Comrade. After a brief discussion in broken English and Russian, Sergeant Burrell finally convinced the battalion's commander to let him join the brigade while it fought its way west to Berlin. Burrell was given a PPSH-41 submachine gun, a few drums of ammunition, and spent the next month with the Russian tankers, where his proficiency in demolitions was highly appreciated. Burl and his Rusky Tank Battalion eventually happened upon his former POW camp and liberated it at the end of January, where he retrieved his prized POW photo from the admin office. During the first week of February, Burl was wounded when a German dive bomber blew up the tank he was riding in. He was evacuated to a Soviet hospital in Allied-occupied Poland. Soon afterwards, he was visited by Georgi Zukov, a Soviet general marshal. Zukov was baffled by hearing a non-Russian soldier in the infirmary, and was even more intrigued when he heard Burl's story. Zukov then gave Burl official papers so he could rejoin his fellow American troops. Later in February, Sergeant Burl hitched a ride with a Soviet military convoy and arrived at the U.S. Embassy in Moscow. It was here that he heard some shocking news. He was dead. The U.S. consulate workers discovered that a Joseph R. Burl had been reported as killed in action in France by the U.S. War Department on June 10, 1944. A funeral had even been held in Burl's hometown, and an obituary was put in the local newspaper on the same day. 
Skeptical of his true identity and thinking that he was a German spy, U.S. officials placed Burl under guard by Marines at the Metropole Hotel until his identification was established through fingerprints. Now that his identification was secured, Beryl traveled to Odessa, Egypt, and Italy before finally arriving home in Michigan on April 21, 1945. He celebrated Victory in Europe Day with his family two weeks later in Chicago. The next year, he married Joanne Hollowell in the exact same church and by the same priest who had officiated over his funeral two years before. Joe and his wife later had a daughter, Julie, and two sons. Their oldest son, Joe Burrell II, served in the 101st Airborne during the Vietnam War. His second son, John Burrell, served as the United States Ambassador to Russia from 2008 to 2012. Joseph Burrell worked for Brunswick Corporation for 28 years and retired as a shipping supervisor. In the 1990s, Burrell was given a medal from President Clinton and Russian President Boris Yeltsin. He was even gifted a custom AK-47 by Mikhail Kalishnikov, the original designer. At age 81, Joe Burrell died peacefully in his sleep of heart failure on December 12, 2004, while visiting Toccoa, Georgia, where he had trained as a paratrooper in 1942. Burrell was buried with honors in Section 1 of the Arlington National Cemetery on April of 2005. On September 17, 2002, a book about Burrell, The Simple Sounds of Freedom by Thomas Taylor, was published. In 2005, a plaque was presented on the wall of the church in saint colm de mont France, where Burrell had landed on June 5, 1944. An exhibition depicting Joe Burrell's life and wartime experience was shown in Moscow and three other Russian cities in 2010. The exhibition continued on for an American tour at the National World War II Museum in New Orleans with showings in Toccoa, Georgia and Omaha in 2011 and Burl's hometown of Muskegon, Michigan in June 2012. Joe is survived by his wife, one daughter, two sons, and seven grandchildren. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Remember My Name podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, please email me at remembermyname at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at RememberMyNamePodcast and at Twitter at RMNPodcast. Now take a moment and remember this name, Joseph Burrell.